Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Thank you so much for your patience. First of all, I thank you so much for the interest. My wife and I have relocated to Salisbury, Tennessee. And you might be thinking, where is Salisbury, Tennessee? (laughs) So have the internet companies. (laughs) There's not a lot of internet connection up here. It has taken us uh, weeks to get settled and and get into a location where we can have a good balance of, of a living space and internet connectivity. Now that we got that worked out, I intend to get back on these recordings. I I enjoy doing this podcast. I enjoy taking the time to study out this material, write out the material, and record the material. And it's a blessing to hear back from many of you that uh, have benefited from it or or been blessed by it. Uh, Thank you so much for for the comments and for the encouragement that we've had. If this has been a blessing to you, please leave a comment wherever you listen to it and let us know. Uh, send us questions or ideas that you might have for future podcasts. By now, if you have listened regularly, you understand that we try and deal with this collision between the cross and the culture, the progress of missions in Africa, and we still have a long line of interviews with Bible-believing men that I want to get out to you and that I think will be a blessing and encouragement to you. We will also add to this Bible teaching on various biblical topics. It, it would be my goal and my aim to teach through the entire Bible while we have this downtime since COVID-19 has shut the world down and made many aspects of Bible ministry somewhat awkward. Uh, I'll take this time to start teaching through the Bible. Uh, my pastor, James Knox, has teached the entire Bible in his career. I think that is a formidable accomplishment and would like to take on that challenge myself. Now, our topic today is under the heading of the cross and the culture. It is called the preference of homelessness. Seems like an odd topic, but I believe when we go through the material, it'll make sense to you. We start with the fight for the narrative. The Central Florida Commission of Homelessness performed a one-day census in January 2019 of their homeless population. The results, an 11% decrease in homelessness over the past five years. The verdict is still out whether this is good news to them or bad. 
The tone of related articles hardly praised the reduction, but found ways to criticize results. What's interesting to monitor is if a commission whose existence is predicated by homelessness will now hinder the decline. One member of the commission said something telling to this regard, and I quote, we won't get the support of the community to tackle this problem if they believe it's already been solved, (laughs) end quote. Commissions created to resolve social problems, unfortunately, tend to help prolong the existence thereof. The census was performed as commission members trekked central Florida counties. The areas covered included streets, homeless shelters, people living in cars, and those living in the woods. Personally, I would enjoy meeting the individuals that hiked the forests of central Florida who located and counted the homeless living therein. In America, homelessness is leaving a pestiferous blot on our image, which until our recent debacles meant something. Yet it's nothing new to report, and there should be joy at its reduction. Certain major cities are overrun by their displaced. Therefore, cities with consistent reduction are good news. It seems, though, when there is an agenda to push, good must be called bad. It's a requirement. Dishonorable political actors further complicate matters by virtue signaling. Their subjective outbursts overshadow people actually laboring to combat the problem. In our current journalistic dispensation, topics become newsworthy when media-celebrated persons push emotionally charged opinions as information. For instance, Central Florida articles detailing the reduction in homelessness made sure to mention it took place despite lack of low-income housing. This, of course, gives the impression their goal is to attack political positions, not rid cities of homelessness. Furthermore, the faulty assumption affordable housing would cause less homeless people on the streets is not borne out by the census. Admitting a lack in affordable housing at a time when homelessness in Central Florida is in decline indicates the two are not mutually related. But why allow objective data to stand in the way of political gain? Reality is an unfortunate casualty when narratives are forcefully maintained. Factual information threatens cunningly devised fables and causes political weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. It's frustrating that few perform basic due diligence, such as ask why people are homeless. Politicians, the media, and intellectual elites so focused on their narrative and possible constituent response fail to concern themselves with the cause of the effect. The ideologists of our society seek to isolate individuals into groups, then teach them that they have been victimized. You have to separate them from the crowd and then identify some aspect of their background or culture or or skin color, whatever the case may be, and convince them that they are a victim. They have no concern for the individuals within each ill-defined group. The groups themselves become a means to political ends, which, by the way, is the definition of racism. If I identify you by your cultural background, your religious background, or your skin color, and then appeal to you on those bases, that's racism. It's also known as political pandering. Cause and effect, or reaping and sowing. I suppose it's possible people become homeless through no fault of their own. 
but I find this supposition hard to believe in modern America. Furthermore, fix-all political solutions are unrealistic. The Bible says, in all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Surely if there was labor, there must also have been profit from that labor. In situations where profit from labor did exist, it's often lost through mismanagement. Labor and profit will certainly help the situation, but moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Both the labor and the profit must then be effectively managed. To further complicate matters, individuals on the street often isolate themselves by design. Through terrible choices and abusive behavior, they end up with no one to turn to for help. Oftentimes when ministering on the streets, we are approached by individuals claiming to be desperately stranded. When asked how they reached a place in life where they have no family or friends at all to call upon, their colorful response verifies nefarious intent. Ultimately, relationships are abandoned due to the fact they come with accountability. Furthermore, the participants of said relationships are often no longer willing to be abused by the person headed for homelessness. If we fairly consider the few individuals that honestly have no family, we are still required to believe they have made no friends throughout their entire lifetime. Not to mention the government programs available to people in need. To live homeless on the streets takes effort, starting with efforts to isolate self and reject help. Willingness to have an honest conversation regarding the cause of homelessness should not be mistaken for lack of compassion. I'm inclined to offer the biblical truth needed to correct lives rather than more resources to mismanage. Feelings toward the harshness of street life are checked by objective realities. Pandering in the form of an emotional-based social justice narrative does nothing to help the situation. It's an unfortunate reality. The overwhelming majority of individuals on the streets are complicit in their ending up there, either through complete mismanagement of life or by actual decision to remove themselves from personal obligation. The ease with which people walk away from responsibility is alarming. Furthermore, they are often compensated by modern religious, philosophical, and political thought. A biblical approach is seen as harsh and lacking empathy but none will escape scriptural truth. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. There are means whereby poverty encroaches lives. The Lord Jesus said, For the poor ye have always with you. To a certain extent, poverty is expected to exist, but to be homeless in America is to completely refuse help or responsibility. Rejecting God's instruction will lead to a tumultuous life of poverty and shame. It should be understood that abandoning obligation and duty is shameful. So often homelessness exists because people have forsaken both the God that created them as well as the world around them. To cope with this world's failure to resolve this problem, they try and cause consequence to appear heroic. Yet the shame reemerges when biblical instruction is offered. Unfortunately, few respond with humility. Most respond in bitterness. 
The American mindset of instant gratification requires all involved to pretend choices that lead to homelessness are inconsequential. We're all supposed to just play this game. If they could just encourage enough people to feign God is not mocked, if all people would just conclude whatsoever a man soweth, he will not reap, maybe it would become true. If the world would come together, not to solve problems, but to remove the consequences thereof, maybe an everlasting utopia of pleasure would finally exist. (laughs) But there is a righteous God in heaven. His word says, thine own wickedness shall correct thee and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. Improper and ungodly choices have severe consequences. Men may join together in unity against God, but such evil imaginations will lead to foolish ends. In contrast, Trusting God's word will lead to blessings in every area of life where that trust is found. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If man could have his way every day, all the time, the result would be death. The repeated cycles of social troubles in our societies will not be solved by man. Obedience to God's instruction is required. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. Rejecting the light and the lamp, which is the word of God, moves individuals rapidly into stumbling darkness. Through proper use of God's word, individuals receive light and guidance to navigate the angry billows life offers. The vice of pandering. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's what God said. God's word is harsh toward men that refuse to provide for their own household. This highlights the practical nature of the Bible and magnifies the mind of God concerning irresponsible disobedience. The Lord expects men to work and thereby earn the necessary provision for himself and his family. Rebuke by way of biblical instruction is necessary for a society apt to momentary fun and frolic. The true social injustice is the family dragged into homelessness by the irresponsible choices of its leader. Alcohol abuse, drug abuse, or even worse, laziness are preferred rather than diligence and sobriety. Obligation within relationships is seen as an arbitrary choice made based upon undisciplined feelings. The status of respective relationships are based upon the whims of the day, yet the responsibilities of the relationships continue to require attention. You don't get to separate the two. Heroic rhetoric is often spouted in reference to defeating homelessness. Sadly, It seems the self-proclaimed heroes have become the enemies. Until the problem is addressed at the individual level and the hard questions are asked, there will be no resolutions. What role did drug addiction play? What role did alcohol abuse play? What role did laziness play? Does the person just prefer a life of obscurity? 
Asking such questions ruin the ability to pander and defy the established morality of this world. God has immutable moral expectations, and the course of this world, in contrast, has its own malleable standard of morality. It's sort of like an exchange rate. Check back daily to see where things stand. Modern identity politics are the odious divide-and-conquer ideas of old. Individual lives matter not. Each person must be identified by a distinctive group. The group then is stirred to revolt by a series of perceived but rarely confirmed social injustices. Therefore, the homeless have become a group of victims whose failures are caused by said perceived injustice. With the group and its respective injustices duly defined, politicians may now wax eloquent about why they are needed to save the identified group. If only explosive emotion could resolve problems, we would all be doing well. Tools of the trade. To the solvers of problems, homeless individuals are tools of the political propaganda trade. Their concern for the homeless only spikes when there is a controlled event, such as feeding the homeless, clothing drive for the homeless, anything that provides a photo opportunity, they're all in. Their idea of helping the homeless entails responsible men and women that work giving up their money and freedom to support their agenda. Any resistance to such ideas on the part of the employed is seen as further evidence of injustice. Furthermore, a working man's unwillingness to give up his money for lazy, drug-infused street dwellers makes the responsible working man bigoted and probably a racist. Practical experience with the homeless provides great insight. A number of homeless individuals have simply decided they don't want to live as responsible members of society. Providing them homes at taxpayer expense does nothing to solve the problem, which is not homelessness, but improper thinking. These prefer the streets rather than a nine to five with bills to pay. They ultimately see freedom as living adrift in the darkness of the street life and reject programs that provide them a home. Often they are made up of an odd conglomerate of engineers, CEOs, executives, etc. Successful people that have just given up on responsibility. These are talented people that refuse to stand up to the duties of daily life. There was no sudden calamity that forced them into the streets, but personal refusal to deal with life stress. Then we have the group that abandoned fidelity to duty through drug addiction. People of the homeless population overwhelmingly are under the influence of some substance. Indeed, endless pursuit of their respective substance of choice rendered them homeless. My conversations with these individuals have common themes. Ravaged by addiction, finding their next fix is their number one priority. If free housing were provided, they would quickly turn new government housing into drug-infested slums. They often explain in detail the extent to which they load their chosen lifestyle. From time to time, they desire to change but refuse to take one step in the right direction. As masters of manipulation, undoubtedly, the very conversation about help is often nothing more than a tool to manipulate. In each conversation I have had with them, I offer a place where they can freely get the help they need and presumably desire. Facilities that offer a free and clean space to live, a place they can gain salvation from sin, victory over addiction, and escape from homelessness. 
These places go on to assist with finding work and oftentimes provide training. Not one drug-addicted homeless person has ever accepted my offer. The rarest of individuals to find on the street are people that actually had some unforeseen trouble arise. A sudden event in life caught them off guard and they lost everything. These are respectable people simply struggling at this moment in life. They do not stay on the streets. If they don't have any family to help, they stay in rescue missions. They're honest about the situation and refuse to stay down. Receiving help through various government programs has done so with no intent to abuse such help. To them, the shameful idea that government assistance is a permanent means of income never occurred to them. These are individuals that unfortunately reaped the negative aspects of the course of this present evil world. In America, one has to work at being homeless. Ample assistance is available for people in need. The individual's dream situation may not be available to them, but help that will keep them moving in the right direction is available. Between government programs, charity organizations, family, friends, and oftentimes complete strangers, help is accessible. Remaining homeless in America is a choice made by people that have ulterior motives, motives that ultimately prevent the person from receiving help. They understand true assistance requires amending their ways as well as discussions regarding the mismanagement of their lives. Hence the hatred this world has for biblical Christianity. God is clear that his ways are not our ways. In fact, man's ways should be abandoned and replaced by God's biblical instruction. This idea tends to make people angry rather than thankful for needful guidance. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Coming to the God of the Bible, whether for salvation or biblical correction, requires a confrontation of ideas. This confrontation requires self-examination in light of biblical instruction. The Bible will point out the flawed thinking of men and then provide the godly alternative. If the individual in question can bring themselves to a place of humility and admit the word of the Lord is right, help is surely available for that person. Many in our society search continually for means whereby they may relieve identified groups from responsibility for their actions. They see this ambition as a token of their great personal moral compassion. They view perpetrators of crimes as the victims, not the women raped, the family robbed, the child violated. No, the criminal is the real victim, according to them. These self-serving fools dub themselves our moral superiors. They refuse to make clear connections between individual life status in connection with prior choices made. Viewing the world from a biblical perspective creates great pain for these moral arbiters because the Bible so practically identifies the logical progression based on choices and actions. This makes the individual solely responsible for their status in life. Of course, some variants to the progression obviously exist. These are not cookie-cutter situations, 
But generally speaking, the progression of choice and action can be identified and even changed if desired. One must avoid being placed into a prescribed state of victimhood. If the individual is not responsible for choice and action, then the individual cannot fix choice and action. They will become perpetual victims subject to arbitrary injustice and left in the hands of imposing moral superiors. And their moral superiors will make themselves feel so good about themselves by locking others into this bracket of injustice. Homelessness in America is the result of a chosen way of life. It rarely is ever the result of sudden economic catastrophe. Basic reasoning and following logically the series of events that led to life in the streets is often easily discerned. But ideologies currently extant are at work to prevent such logical connections. Doing so would make their respective organizations or political narratives obsolete. The continued existence of such ideologies will continue to produce generation after generation of young people that lack basic social discipline. It is a vicious circle of events. The ideology produces the mentality. The adopted mentality produces the group. The group is molded to fit a perceived injustice, and the intellectual elites that produce the ideology get to now try and solve the injustice they created. The existence of the homeless in the midst of such great American prosperity, bewilders the minds of social justice warriors. But they refuse to face the trouble head on. Doing so would again render their chosen view of the world irrelevant. Thus, obvious connections must not be made. Having done all, their most notable aim in life is to appear compassionate and violently so, if necessary. (laughs) This need to remain visually morally superior requires the said defender of social injustices to develop ideas of structural injustices over which the perceived victim obviously has no control. It's essentially a win-win. The social justice warrior gets to make themselves appear relevant. The homeless person robbed of any responsibility gets to remain homeless. And the group identified as guilty of the social injustice who, by the way, naturally tend to be the political and ideological opposites of the social justice warrior, are labeled as perpetually evil. Homelessness in America is a choice. It may not have been the purposeful end, but it tends to be the regular side effect of certain chosen lifestyles. To correct it, choose otherwise. Thank you for listening, and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.